All right, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I am your host, and today Hannah Hogan will not be joining me. Hannah Hogan is in Columbus, Ohio, bound for Buffalo, New York, where she'll be doing uh, shows at Helium this weekend. And so I'm alone. Uh, yesterday, I, uh, well, let's let's just go back. Uh, Tuesday. Hannah and I tried to record this podcast in the hotel room that we were in in Memphis, and we recorded about 30 minutes before we realized that the recorder wasn't actually recording. Then we had to check out of the hotel. Yesterday, I was recording this podcast by myself. Uh, I got about 30 minutes into the podcast. A storm came, lightning struck, the power went out, and I lost everything that I had recorded. So I if you are a follower of the podcast and you were looking for it to come out yesterday, I do apologize about that um, because when you do th- – I was on a roll yesterday too. I really felt like I had to pumping out some jokes. And then uh, the power went out, so I was a bit discouraged uh, also because I lost all that. I had a, a real thing going, and uh, I'll do my best to recreate it today. Uh, hopefully it's better. I'm drinking out of a Bass Pro Shops cup that I just got at um, the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid in Memphis. Uh, So I'm going to tell a story uh, about the time I was shot in the chest and maybe a little bit about a time I was also stabbed. And that is the teaser. But first, uh, I'd like to do the segment that I like to call Where We've Been and Where We're Going. Now, Hannah's recorded a little bit of a podcast. Uh, She's recorded a piece, so I'll be editing that in. Uh, First, uh, I've been, uh, last week I was at the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Kill Devil Hills is the name of the town. And I had a great time there. Uh, The people who run the club, Ed and Leslie, uh, they had us, me and Brent Blakeney, were staying at their house uh, for the week, and they lived out on an inlet. They had a great porch. And uh, I sat out there at night after the shows and uh, smoked cigars and just looked at the water and looked at the stars. And it was just so great to look at the stars. I just find that the older I get, the less I look at the stars. When I was a kid, I was I spent a lot of time on my dad's farm. And he would bale these big round bales of hay and put them at the end of his yard. And me and my stepbrother and his friends, my friends too, we would all sit down on those hay bells and just look up at the stars Uh, and we would tell ghost stories and talk about aliens and things like that and until we scared ourselves and then we would run inside. We feel like we may have encountered an alien spaceship when we were a kid but most likely it was an airplane and we were afraid. But I just, you know, I don't look at the stars as much as I used to and uh, it's fun to look at them. And uh, being on the Outer Banks, just looking up, very clear skies, really enjoyed it. The, um, uh, but the shows themselves were fun. I appreciate all the people who came out to see the show. Um, and uh, thanks for the support. A couple people came from Kazi's who had seen me before to the Outer Banks. And then on Saturday, I went up to Williamsburg, Virginia, to the Comedy Club of Williamsburg, where more people that had seen me at Kazi's came to see me there. And by the way, I'll be at Kazi's October 30, uh, 30th or 31st. I'm not sure how many days are in there, but the last day of August and the first day of September, I'll be at Kazi's Comedy Club, uh, most likely with my friend Aaron Weber. And uh, 
so pumped about that. Uh, also, I'll be doing. Um, well, we'll talk about that. That's way away. Um, and now I'm going to cut to Hannah telling us where she's been. Hey, gang. We have a very fun episode today because Dusty and I are in different studios. And I wanted to chime in on where we were, where we're going. Dusty and I were together in Memphis in these past few days, Monday and Tuesday. And Dusty was headlining a show at uh, Cotton Brewery with Doug Gillian in Memphis. And it was great. We drove up on Monday. It was a beautiful day. We checked into our hotel at the beautiful La Quinta. And we were staying downtown, which is so fun for me because I love Memphis. You know, it's a city that feels like it's still in the 1940s. And I like that. They have a lot of old signs. And it's a big city. I actually think it used to be the biggest city in Tennessee. But Nashville, the city that we currently live in, has has usurped it. Has usurped Memphis as the largest city uh, population-wise in, in the state of Tennessee. But we were in Memphis. And so it's, it's a fairly large city. It has a kind of wide streets. And uh, there wasn't a lot of people there, but it had old signs, so it felt sort of melancholy. And then Dusty and I rolled down to Beale Street, which is the famous blues area in downtown Memphis. And we went to B.B. King's uh, restaurant, and it was great. We had a really good time. Dusty, thank you for bringing me to Memphis with you. It's nice uh, having a husband that has, well... I have the same job as my husband because I pretty much just copied what he did when I moved to America, (laughs) but it's nice having it in common because I can just go and do shows with him or go and be with him when he does shows. And honestly, I think Dusty will agree. I, I think we have more fun as a couple when I'm not doing shows with Dusty. Um, cause I can just relax and I can just enjoy the vacation. And that's what I did in Memphis. We ate a lot of barbecue. We walked around. We went to a uh, mall outlet in Mississippi. So we really, we really hit the grass. And it was hot on Tuesday. We uh, we checked out of our hotel and had the whole day to spare. And we went to oh yeah, that this is so fun. We went to the Bass Pro Shop. Now, Google a picture of Memphis the skyline of Memphis, and you will see a giant pyramid, 3D pyramid. And that is the Bass Pro Shop at the pyramid. And Dusty and I went there, and we we hung out. We walked around. We looked at fish and aquatic life. And then we went up to the pyramid and snapped a few pics for posterity for our great trip in Memphis. So thanks uh, to Dusty for bringing me with you. And I got to say, Dusty's show last night on Tuesday... It was so fun. Doug, who put it on, um, had 24 comics go before Dusty, but they were only doing 45 seconds apiece because this was the anniversary show at the Cotton Brewing Company. And uh, so all uh, all these guys went up before. And I went up. I did about 30 seconds. And um, and and then, and then there was an intermission, and then Dusty went up. 
and it was so great. You know, I, I sometimes forget how great Dusty is because, you know, even though he's doing comedy every week and he's not, I'm usually not around when he's doing comedy and, you know, either at my own comedy shows or I'm just at home in Nashville, you know, cause he goes on the road and does his thing. And so it was so fun to watch Dusty headline. He's so silly and fun. And it was just a delight to watch just a room of people have a good time. You know, he really does just, he just, he creates a good time. And, and, uh, so it was just special to watch that and just to like be so proud of my husband be like, he's so funny. He's so great at this, you know? So it was fun. I had a great time. I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot of Dusty's jokes that I'd already heard before. I laughed a lot of his new stuff. Keep writing, Dusty. Keep writing. I'm so proud of you that you're writing so many new jokes. Do it. Do it. Dusty might edit this out, but I was, I'm a big proponent of like writing new material. And then he worked with a very funny man, Burt Kreischer and Burt Kreischer said, you got to write every day. You got to have new jokes. And then Dusty started writing. And I'm like, well, I've been telling you this. And I think it's probably because Burt Kreischer is a better comedian than me. (laughs) Anyway, keep writing. Uh, you're so funny. And I had a great time in Memphis. Uh, Memphis was great. I had a really great time. Thank you, Doug Gillen, for hosting us. Thank you, La, La Quinta Hotel, for having us at the hotel. Very nice hotel. Very good show. I loved the show. I loved walking around Memphis. Uh, we stayed at the La Quinta, and then we walked down to Beale Street. I uh, went to B.B. King's Blues House, had some brisket, and uh, watched a band. It was great. Um, and we just really enjoyed it. And that show was fantastic. All the people that came out was really good. I don't because there's no comedy club in Memphis uh, that I get booked at. Um, I don't get a lot of opportunities to go down there. I'd been there years ago uh, that a show that Josh McLean put together, uh, rode down with Brad Henderleiter and Mary J. Berger, uh, and then I went uh, and opened for Todd Berry um, at the uh, Minglewood Hall, which was a lot of fun. Actually, that. Time. My friend Keith Alberstadt is friends with Todd Berry, and uh, Todd was looking for somebody to open in Memphis. Keith gave him my info, and I got an email from Todd Berry. So, as a fan of Todd Berry, that's uh, pretty exciting. And uh, so, and now where I'm going? I'm going uh, tomorrow to Dalton, Georgia, to do a show. Uh, very excited about that. Tickets are available on my website. Uh, and then the next day, I'm opening for... I'll be with Dan Whitehurst. Dan Whitehurst will be featuring for me, which is an exciting show because Dan Whitehurst is very funny. And um, he scares me opening for me because he's so funny that I'm afraid people won't like me by the time that he's done. Uh, but we did shows at the Stardome together, and we do have another Stardome show on the books, me and Dan Whitehurst. Uh, but I'm happy that Dan is going with me. Uh, I like hanging with him. And then on Saturday, I'll be in Hartwell, Georgia, featuring for James Gregory. So that's exciting because I've been a fan of James Gregory for a long time. And I really enjoy watching his comedy. And it's nice to be with him. And now I'm going to cut to and let Hannah tell you where she is going. Uh, I am heading up to Buffalo, uh, this weekend, June, man, I guess 28th to 30th. I'm going to be in Buffalo at the helium comedy club with Jimmy Pardo. And so come through Buffalo. If you are in Northern New York on Lake Ontario 
And then after that, I'm going to go home because I'm very close to home. Actually, I, I Googled it yesterday and Buffalo, New York is only three hours away from my hometown in Ontario. And that's, that's the same amount that I drove last night from Memphis to Nashville. So, you know, so I got to go home. I'm going to go home um, and do shows in Toronto. I'm doing a few shows in Toronto. I'm doing a show at the Cameron House uh, on Monday at 7 or 8 p.m. at the Cameron House. That's on Queen Street West. And then later that night, also on July 2nd, I will be at the Alt Doc Comedy Club at the Rivoli, which is one of my favorite places to perform in Toronto. It's a great stage. Then on Tuesday, I also have a show, and I can't remember what it is, but check out my website, hannahogancomedy.com. I know I'm going to be at Absolute Comedy Club or, yeah, Absolute Comedy Club on Friday, June, July 6th. And I'm going to be at the Comedy Club Underground on July 5th. So I'm doing shows in Canada, and I'm looking forward to that because, I don't know, I feel like maybe I haven't done that in a while. I don't know what I'm going to talk about because half my act is about being a Canadian living in the South. (laughs) So when you're in Canada, like, hey, I'm from Canada. That's quirky, right? Like, they're like, nah, (laughs) not really. Um, so I'm looking forward to going to Canada. Check out my comedy uh, website, hannahogancomedy.com, for all my dates. I'm going to Missouri after Canada. I'm going to be in Grand Rapids the second week of July. Dusty, I have so many road gigs. It's it's going to be um, so much comedy for me. Uh, and Dusty, we have so much comedy. And so I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm trying to have, I'm, you know, working with Dusty really inspired me to just have fun be silly, you know, enjoy, enjoy the performance. And that's what I'm going to try to do this summer. So come check out uh, my comedy. I'm on the road, Miss Hannah Hogan, Instagram, Miss Hannah Hogan on Twitter. And make sure you check out Dusty shows coming up because he's hilarious. And you definitely want to check him out. I know I check him out every morning when I wake up. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Who's that fine man right there? And then I realize he's my husband. I'm like, I'm so lucky. We're having a good time. We're having a good time. Love you. Travel safe. And uh, also, Hannah mentioned her social media. Hannah went wild last week. So follow her, Miss Hannah Hogan, at Miss Hannah Hogan on Instagram. She went wild. You never know when she's going to pop off, do some live Facebook. Uh, live Instagram stuff, so be sure to follow her. She doesn't like Facebook, but she likes Instagram. Uh, and I did some stuff. I'm probably going to try to go live again tomorrow, even though it terrified my sister to see me FaceTiming while driving. But I have my phone positioned in a way that I don't really need to look at the camera. I can just talk and still continue to drive. And I talk on the phone all the time in the car, so it's really no different unless I read comments. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to pretend like that's safe, and I'm not going to condone it. But uh, I don't know if condone means uh, – I don't really know what condone means. So what I'm going to say is I'm not saying it's safe, and I'm not going to tell you to do it. But uh, I like to talk on the phone while in the car, and I've uh, – less and less people – you know, I drive all the time. i got 300,000 miles in my car. Currently, my car's air conditioner is being fixed, which is costing quite a bit of money, but it is – terrible out there and normally 
You probably wouldn't fix an air conditioner on a car that has 300,000 miles. But other than that, my car runs great, and I love my car. So I'm going to keep running that thing. But I'll probably go live. I'm not sure if I'll do Facebook or Instagram. Uh, but I'll do that on Friday on my way down to Dalton, Georgia. So that's where we've been and where we're going. And um, it's very exciting. And uh, so now uh, I'd like to, you know what, I'd like to do a little thing about, uh, I've been doing a little segment about, you know, trying to help comics. Uh, And I think it's fun because I don't, I'm not trying to help veteran comics. I mean, if you're a veteran, you probably know more about this kind of stuff than me. But if you're a new comic, I just like to kind of share things that I think will be helpful to you because it is hard to break out from, um, uh, from from an open mic comic, from a bar show comic, to a comedy club comic. And uh, I had a lot of help. I had some really good people helping me make that transition. And I'd just like to share some of that knowledge. And uh, one a little bit at a time. I don't want to make this uh, a dang uh, school podcast. But I think if you are looking to get booked in the club, this is what I think as far as sending an email goes. A lot of times people will tell you to call the club. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to call anybody. I want to email them and get turned down uh, silently. You know what I mean? I don't want people telling me to my face, don't call here. Don't come by here. So I also think in this day and age, people respond better to emails than they do to phone calls. Because just in general, if you call me on the phone, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, text me first. And uh, it's bad. But yes, that's where we're at. And... Um, So I think if you're going to get booked, you get the email, and then you send an email. And you always be polite in the email. There's no reason to be rude. That club doesn't owe you anything. I know that you think you're hilarious. Hell, I think I'm hilarious. But a lot of clubs uh, have a lot of hilarious people emailing them. They have way more people emailing them than they have spots available. So send the email. Be polite. Tell them how much you love the club. Even if you don't know the club, just tell them how much you love it. Everybody likes to be flattered a bit. So be like, hey, or or you know what? Better yet, maybe research the club. Find out some things about it. If it is a great club, tell them, I hear nothing but good things about your club. I'd love to come perform there. And then the next step is you're going to need a video. You want some references if you performed at this club, this club, or this club, or if you performed uh, with other comedians, um, you know, include that. But I would also say be honest, you know, I mean, I mean, hell, we've all been doing a show and some really famous comic shows up and then we're like, oh man, I opened for, oh, I had Louis C.K. open for me one time, you know, and it's like, it's like, you know, I've had Ron White uh, come up and do a set after me, and then one time, oh, actually twice after me, so I could easily say that I opened for Ron White, but but I didn't, and uh, he did give me some nice compliments, though, uh, really enjoyed that, big fan of Ron White, uh, but you know, if you've worked with people and you've done things, it's okay to include those, that's not, don't think that's going to be the meal ticket, but it's okay to include it, and then you want to... Um, Add a video. Now, the video, you're going to want to get a better quality video than a cell phone video, unless it's just an amazing video. And, but just if it, if you open the video and it's framed like it's on a cell phone, you're already losing points. Cameras are not that expensive. You can get a good camera for a couple hundred bucks at Best Buy that will get you good video. And then you want to make sure your audio is good because if they can't understand what you're saying, they're going to cut the video off. 
And then you want to get a laugh in the first 30 seconds of the video. If don't, don't start the video with the host bringing you onto stage. Just already be on stage. Already be about to tell your first joke. And then within 30 seconds, have gotten a laugh. Um, because if it's, if they're watching it for a minute and you haven't been funny yet, they're like, all right, we don't want a guy who can't be funny in a minute, guy or girl who can't be funny in a minute. So I also think they'll just grow tired of watching it. So, and I also wouldn't load the front with crowd work or local references. You know, even if that's your thing that you do all the time, at least try to get yourself a video where that's not what you do, you know, um, because if you're, if you're. Uh, featuring or if you're uh, hosting, that may be valuable to them to see your crowd work, but uh, they just want to see your jokes. They want to see your material. And then uh, whatever position that you're applying for, make sure that your video is that length of time. Like if you want to host, have a video that's at least 15 minutes long to show them that you can do the time slot that you're applying for. If you're featuring, send a 30-minute video. If you want a headline, send a 45-minute to an hour video. Uh, chances are you're not going to get headlining uh, right away based on your video. Best thing for you to do is get YouTube famous and you'll instantly sell a bunch of tickets. And then you don't need to do any of this. But if you're like me, you're working for it, you're putting in your time. Um, so make sure your comedy's good. And, 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 and the best way to make sure that your comedy is good is to spend time writing jokes. Spend time writing jokes and performing them in front of people that don't know you. If you're only doing jokes for your friends, then they think you're hilarious, you're, you're doing great, everything's fun. But make strangers laugh because that's who's going to be in the club. If you have the kind of following that all your friends are going to come to the club, then you're way ahead of the game anyway. So you'll probably be fine. But m- m- chances are uh, your friends aren't going to come to every one of your shows. So, sorry, I'm drinking coffee. It's a bit early in the morning. I got to, but I do have a, a big mouth bass, large mouth bass on the cover of my Bass Pro Shops mug. So, pretty exciting. Um, and then, um, and then you know, email those videos and then send some available time. Say, hey, I'm available these weekends. You know, even if, you know, I've had people tell me in the past, they're like, well, my whole calendar's open. So, why would I send avails? I am completely available. And it's like, I would just say, take the next three months, uh, write out the weekends that you're available and send that to them. Even if, uh, even if all of them are open, if it makes you feel better, leave a couple of weekends off. So you look busy, but you know, I mean, you're not trying to get a, you're not trying to get a date with someone. You're trying to get a date at a club. So, uh, you don't need to make yourself look important as far as, oh, I'm so busy. I hope I can fit in a weekend. Just be honest. You know, I'm trying to, you know, make a transition, get into the clubs. And uh, that would be my advice. And then I would say that send those emails once a month. I wouldn't say send them more than once a month, but send them once a month. Be polite, be patient, and be persistent. You know, expect them to not email you back. But when they don't email you back, don't get frustrated. Because I've emailed people for six months. I've emailed people for a year. And then eventually I I get gigs. So it's like... If I had blown up on them after the fourth time, or if I'd given up, then I wouldn't have gotten those gigs. And it is uh, a long game, and it's all about a pr- it's all about the process. Like as you get gigs, you build relationships with these clubs, and the hope is that they'll book you, you know, once or twice a year. Uh, and then and if they run multiple clubs, hopefully you'll get multiple gigs uh, by them. And then you just build up. You build up a, an amount of bookers. 
And the more bookers that you have booking you, then the more gigs you're going to get. It's a process. And, you know, there's this there's this real thing that I'm seeing in comedy right now, which is just blowing me, blowing my mind. Where everybody wants to be too cool for comedy. Like they're like, oh, I don't want to care about the jokes. I don't want to care about being a comedian. And it's like the best way to not be successful at something is to not care about it. I mean, we've all got a guy guy on the scene, guy or girl on the scene that's hilarious without even trying. And everybody wants to be that person. But we all can't be that person. You know, there were people uh, when I was in school that would never study for the test uh, and then they would ace it. I also would not study for the test, but I would not ace it. Uh, the great thing about me is I didn't care about the grade that I got as long as I wanted a C or above. That was because my, my parent, my dad was upset with a D and, uh, and that's, that was really where, where I was at. I just wanted people to not be upset. I had my window open and I, it's hot out there, I bet, but I just watched this guy go jogging by my window and then he stopped and now he's walking. And, uh, I feel that, you know what I mean? (laughs) I feel that it's like, it's too hot for all this running. Let me just walk for a bit. He has giant gym shorts on, which I appreciate because I don't want to watch a man run around in skimpy shorts. But I feel like if you're running and your shorts come below your knees, uh, that's got to be restricting, you know. But what do I know? I'm not really much of a runner. I'll be honest with you. Right now I have on jean shorts. Who am I to judge somebody's shorts? Jean shorts that I made myself. I was just having this conversation with a lady at the Levi's store in Mississippi, and uh, I don't think she cared much for it. She was laughing, but uh, probably because, you know, there was no one else in the store, and, you know, she hadn't seen a... I had my trucker hat on and these big glasses and my hair and cut-off jean shorts. She probably hadn't seen a country guy like me in there for a while, and uh, she was having a good... I know we're in Mississippi, but I'm a special kind of country guy, and... uh, I told her that I want to buy jeans that I can cut to make shorts because I, or buy uh, denim shorts and then cut the bottom off so it looks like I made them. Because I think it's okay to wear jean shorts, but you can't wear jean shorts that you bought. You know what I mean? You got to make them uh, because I feel like our dads wear jean shorts that they bought, which is okay for them. They're the baby boomers. They're the quote unquote greatest generation. They can wear jean shorts if they want, but. That's not what my generation's called. I think I am generation... Uh, I actually don't know. I think I am the the last year of millennials. Like, I I think technically I'm considered a millennial because I hit, hit it right on the end. Like, it started in 1982 and then went for a while. And so I think I technically am considered a millennial, which, uh, uh, if, if, uh, if so, uh, well, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. Um, I don't even know what that means because there's like generation X and generation Y and, uh, and I don't understand what any of that means. I don't, I don't understand why we're trying to classify our generations. We, we, I mean, some of us have come back from war, I guess. So I don't know. I just feel like with the baby boomers, I mean, that whole thing was like all these people are at war and then they all came back and had all these babies. And, and it's like, I don't feel like we have that. Um, we don't have a mass amount of people being born. Because uh, of various reasons, but um, a lot of we don't have a mass amount of people being born all at once. I think. Okay, so here we go. Uh, that was my advice. If you have any questions about that, uh, 
Hit me up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email me if you want. Dusty.slay at gmail.com. Uh, send me an email. I mean, I may not get back to you. Sometimes, I mean, I try. And it's not that I'm so busy. Sometimes I am super busy. I'm driving and I'm getting somewhere and I can't answer. Other times I'm just tired and then I look at the email and I forget that you sent it and then I don't respond. So if that happens, I apologize. Send it again. And if you want to do my show and you've sent me a video, I mean, if you want to do, I have a show now. I get, some of them get canceled. I get bumped because, you know, Zany's is a hot club and there's more famous people than me coming there. So I'll get a date sometimes and then I'll get bumped or I'll get moved. And that's fine because the people at Zany's really take care of me. So uh, getting bumped is not a big deal. But sometimes I'll have a, uh, a date on the calendar and then it goes away. And then I have to tell everyone that I told to be on the show that they can't do it now. And I hate doing it, but it's all part of it. If you're a comedian and you're just now getting into the game, that's going to happen to you a lot. Uh, I've gotten several gigs this year that I was very excited about that I ended up getting bumped from because – the headliner either brought their own feature or some other complication went down. So it happens. Get used to it. And But if you sent me a video um, and I didn't get back to you, send me another one uh, because maybe the video wasn't good. I mean someone – and I'm not trashing this person, but someone sent me a video and, and they were like uh, – Someone in the audience said Roll Tide, and then somebody said War Eagle, and then he was like, uh, all right, all right, I'm not trying to start a Klan rally in here. And I was like, oh, and because I'm from Alabama, I like both Alabama and Auburn, and I am not a Klan member. And uh, so I was I was a bit taken back by that, and I'm like, I don't know, that guy offended me a bit. I don't get fend- offended really, but I was like, hmm, I don't, I don't care for that. Uh, but I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but that was the first impression of the video. And that's, that's part of the problem uh, with sending a video where you do crowd work off the top. And uh, But keep sending them because I want to put you on my shows. I want out-of-town people on my shows because I like having the comments from Nashville on my show, but I like to mix it up too. And uh, I'm always traveling around meeting a lot of comics, and I have such a fun time with them that I want to bring them to my show so that we can perform together again. Uh, so, all right. So here we go. Now I want to talk about... Uh, I want to tell a little story. When I was five years old, uh, I was hanging out uh, with my cousin. And, uh, uh, well, I went to my grandmother's house. And my cousin lived right next door to my grandmother's house in his family's house, my uncle. And me and my mom, we pull up in my grandma's yard. And uh, this is the same grandma that I saw her boobs and they used to crochet afghans all the time. Uh, so I went down there a pretty good bit and... Uh, and my mom worked third shift, right? So this is what my mom would do. My mom would be like, all right, we got to go visit your grandma. And I'm not trashing my grandma. You know, a lot of people really love my grandma. I'm not trashing her. We didn't have a great relationship, but I also was very young. I don't have a lot of great relationships with a lot of my relatives. And uh, it's not for any other reason than I just, I wasn't around them a bunch. Uh, not technically my fault. Oh, I got to, I'm going to pause this. I think I got some shirts coming right now. I'm going to pause this real quick. All right, had to take a little break there. I got some, I got some hats. FedEx guy pulled up out there. I got some new Dusty Slay. We're having a good time. Hat. All right. So, yeah, I was saying I don't have you know a lot of close relationships with a lot of my relatives, and uh, it's just because you know I wasn't around them a lot. My dad uh, was the youngest by far of his siblings, and then my family. I have two older sisters. We have the same mom, different dad, and I have a younger sister. We have the same dad, different mom. My younger sister, not related to my older sisters. And my family is just scattered a bit. And uh, so I really enjoy seeing them when I get to see them. But, you know, I didn't have close relationships. My 
my dad's dad died in 1966, and I was born in 1982, so I never knew him. Um, my um, my mom's dad, he died when I was about five years old. No, no, even younger than that. Yeah, I mean, probably three or four. I have vague memories of him. And then my dad's mom, uh, she got Alzheimer's when I was about five. So I have some memories of her, and she was very sweet from what I understand. My, also, my mom's dad was too, and um, they were all great people from what I understand. And But she got Alzheimer's when I was really young, so I didn't know her that well. And then um, uh, my other grandmother, you know, I'm going to give my grandmother some credit. I mean, I, she was kind of a mean lady to me, but uh, she didn't, like, abuse me. But she was, you know, just not a – she's just an old-school lady. She just wasn't super nice, you know. And um, um, But her first husband died in the war. I'm not sure what war it was. I imagine World War II. He died in the war. And then her second husband was injured in the war, I think. So he got discharged. Uh, and then they were poor. You know what I mean? They were poor people. So you just grow up poor in the South with no air conditioner. Jeez. Um, I had the air conditioner not work in my car for one weekend, and I was already not a nice person. It doesn't take long. That heat will kill you. So anyway, so I'm going down there to her house. And uh, me and my mom pull up. My mom worked third shift, so she would take us down there, and then I would be just sitting there with my grandma, and my mom would fall asleep because she had worked all night. So she would just fall asleep. It'd be so hot in there. She'd just fall asleep, and I'm just sitting there with my grandma. She won't let me watch TV. She won't let me touch anything. Uh, so I just would draw all the time. Everybody thought I loved drawing. I'm like, you just left me with nothing else to do. And I did like drawing, but... I mean, when you when you don't have anything else to do, you're like, give me a pen, give me some little scraps of paper. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw some friends down here and talk to them. So when my cousin my cousin lived next door, and when he was around, it was great. He was a bit older than me, so he had friends that were older than me. Uh, they would pick on me sometimes, uh, but it's all part of it, you know. Never too mean. Uh, and uh, so my, me and my cousin were playing and. My cousin was pretending to be G.I. Joe, and I was pretending to be He-Man, uh, Masters of the Universe. And I don't know if you're familiar with He-Man, but you know, give that a Google search, uh, cartoon He-Man. Uh, just get a feel for this guy. Um, but that was my hero as a kid. And I, if you're not familiar, He-Man, uh, he, he starts out as a guy named Adam, just a normal, extremely muscular man. Just a very normal bob haircut, bangs, a lot of muscles. And... Adam will take his sword and he will hold it up above his head and he will say, By the power of Grayskull! And after that, lightning shoots down into his sword and he becomes He-Man. And He-Man can't be beat. So that's what we were doing. My cousin went, had gone next door and gotten a BB gun that his dad was using earlier that day. I guess his dad was shooting some squirrels or some birds, uh, not for food. We weren't that poor, uh, probably just more for entertainment and, uh, or, uh, uh, maybe the squirrels were a nuisance. Uh, cause squirrels can be a nuisance. They're cute, but they can be a real nuisance. And, uh, so he went and got that gun and, you know, me being a, I was probably four years old, me being a four year old kid, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little whiny, and I was like, you can't be playing with that. And he was like, it's not loaded. And I was like, oh, okay. 
And so then we're playing, and my cousin pumped up the gun a bunch of times, and you know, he's not pulling the trigger though. He's just going pew pew. You know what I mean? And uh, so I would, I had a sword, and I would hit him in the face with the sword, and and then he would go pew pew. I got you. And then I would go, no, you didn't. And then I'd hit him in the face with the sword, and then he would go pew pew. I got you. And I'd be like, no, you didn't. And then I'd hit him in the face with the sword. You know. And I guess he got tired of that, and he decided that he would really pull the trigger. And so I, I had held up my sword. And I said, by the power of grit. And then I got, and then my cousin pulled the trigger. And that unloaded BB gun had some BBs in it. And it shot me in my little four-year-old chest, four or five-year-old chest. And uh, went into my, through my shirt, into my chest, uh, through my lung, the right side of my body, through my lung, and rested in my back. Still there to this day. I'm 36 years old. That BB's been with me over 30 years. Still in there. Uh, I had to get rushed to the hospital. And I was pretty happy to get out of my grandma's house. I was like, all right. I get to go hang out at the hospital for a while. And uh, we rushed down to the hospital. And my mom drove me. And she came in, scooped me up. I mean, my mom is a... My mom is... My mom was uh, way ahead of the game on... uh, on, I don't want to say feminism, but women power i mean she's a strong lady and uh she came scooped me up and uh threw me in the car drove me down to the hospital and i was only there overnight the doctors looked at me and they said you know we can take the bb out but we don't think it's going to be a problem so you could do surgery to get it out or we could just leave it and so my parents collectively decided that it might be best to try to see if that BB would turn into some type of lead poisoning or aluminum poisoning down the road. And we loved aluminum. I mean, I lived in a trailer. We had aluminum foil that we put on the grill. We put uh, aluminum foil on our antenna. If we needed to suntan, we'd hold a little aluminum foil in front of our face. We drank out of aluminum cans. Uh, I know some people that did drugs with aluminum foil. Not my family. Just saying, I know some people. And uh, we would collect cans, Sam's Choice Cola, you know, uh, Coke that was uh, personally selected by Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, uh, to uh, for us to drink. He had stuff like Dr. Thunder, I think was a – could be a different cheap Coke. I drink a lot of cheap Cokes. But anyway, my mom would buy these uh, cases of Coke and then just put them under her bed. I don't know why she put them under her bed because I knew she put them there, so she wasn't hiding it from me. And uh, but I would drink them room temperature cokes all the time, and um, and then we would save those cans, and then we would take them and recycle them and get money. And you could you could save cans for about a year, drinking pretty heavy, and make yourself about twenty dollars. So well worth the work, way to save the environment. Well worth it. And um, so I got to the hospital. They decided to leave it. I'm fine. Um, and, um, and that was the time that I got shot. I mean, I'm fine. Uh, anticlimactic really with that story, but yeah, I was shot in the chest with a BB gun and, uh, uh, still in there. I have shrapnel in my body. I went to get an MRI. When I get x-rays, you can still see it. I went to get an MRI one time and they asked me, do I have shrapnel in my body? And I checked yes, because I do. Uh, I wasn't in war, but I was, you know, had I made the full transition into He-Man now, had I gotten the, by the power of Grayskull, then the bullet would have bounced right off. But 
I didn't have time to make the full transition. So that's the saddest part for me about that day. And uh, I hope the power doesn't go out. Because if the power goes out again today, I quit. I'm quitting the podcast. Uh, For good. And uh, that's not the only time I've had things happen to me. I grew up in a very rough area, I think. Opelika can be a bit of a rough town. Opelika, Alabama. When I was in middle school, 8th grade, I was uh, I, I had these two friends. Uh, I'm going to say their first names and then not their last names, but their names were Bobby and Quentin. And all of our last names started with an S. So we were best friends, and our we called a, we had a club. We called it the SSS Club because not only were we best friends, but we were also very creative. And we would we had toys that we would play with. Now me and Quentin were playing with more toys than Bobby. Bobby was actually on the baseball team. Bobby was actually an athlete, uh, but. Very creative, fun guy. Love Bobby. Love Quentin, too. Stay in touch with him a little bit. Bobby doesn't respond to any of my messages on Facebook. And uh, I saw Quentin at the high school reunion a mere eight years ago. That was our 10-year reunion. So we'll probably have a 20 soon. It'll be a good time. And um, But we were hanging out, and, and I had taken one of those fake hands to school. You know, like the Halloween fake hand. And we were playing with it, and earlier that day, uh, Bobby and Quentin uh, were attacked by this very large woman, uh, girl, 8th grader, 8th grader, but could have easily passed for a 35-year-old uh, bouncer at a nightclub. But her her name is, I'm going to, she shared the name with one of Michael Jackson's sisters, but I'm just going to say for this, her name is Tanya, and uh Tanya, uh, actually, I'd always gotten along with Tanya. We never had any problems. But this day, she was particularly angry. And uh, she stabbed Quentin in the leg with a pencil. And then she she tried to stab Bobby, but she just grazed his wrist. But he had a little bit of a slash there on his, on the, not his wrist necessarily, just the bottom of his hand. And, uh, and she stole my fake hand. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to let you just steal from me. So I went down there to get my fake hand. And she had slid it up in her desk. And I tried to reach in there and get it. And she pinched me. And uh, so I was mad. And I shoved her head. Now, it was a light shove. I'm not one for hitting women, even if they are bigger, stronger than me. It's not my thing. I don't do it. But I gave her a little shove on the side of the head just to let her know that I was irritated. And then I went and sat back down. And I felt, I didn't feel good about myself because I didn't get the hand back. But I was, uh, felt like I had at least stood my ground a bit. And we had a teacher at the time. His name was, uh, I'm gonna, uh, we called him Spoo, all right? He had a, he had a different name. I don't want to loud him out. I think he might have passed away, actually, and I don't want to trash the guy. But we called him Spoo, uh, and we had had, he was our homeroom teacher and our science teacher. And then we were had him in seventh grade, and we already, all three of us, the SSS club had him in seventh grade, and we didn't care for him then. And then when we moved to eighth grade, he became an eighth grade teacher and became our teacher again. And we were not happy. But we called him Spoo because a lot of people would say that he would, you know, handle himself behind his desk. You know what I mean? He would uh, have, have a good time back there. And that's probably not true. It's probably something that middle schoolers make up because in middle school, uh, we're always thinking about, you know, cranking one out. And uh, actually, that never ends, but it starts in middle school, I think. And um, 
we were watching, you know, so whenever he would stick both of his hands behind his desk, he had a huge desk. Whenever he put both of his hands behind his desk, we would lose our minds. And one time, Quentin, uh, uh, Quentin asked him to borrow some lotion. And he pulled out this giant bottle of lotion with a pump action on it, and we almost fell out. It was too much for us. We really couldn't handle it. And uh, so that was a good time. So we had him, and he was out of the class. Boo was out of the class. And I'm sitting there in my chair after just shoving Tanya's head. And Tanya gets up, and uh, she's not she's not playing around. And she comes back to where I'm at, and I jump up. And like a man, I hide uh, in between. I got trapped in between the wall and a desktop computer. Now, we're talking a desktop computer in the 90s. I mean, this thing was a beast. This thing could have passed for an arcade game. It was huge. There was nowhere for me to go. And Tanya swung back her giant, giant arm. And there was a pencil tucked away in her hand. And she stabbed me in the arm. And I and I turned. And then she hit me two more times in the back. Straight up stabbed me. And then went back and sat down. And, you know... In Opelika, a lot of people will say, you know, snitches get stitches. But in Opelika, that's not the expression because chances are, chances are you're going to get the stitches anyway. So you might as well snitch, right? And uh, when Spoo came back into class, I said, she just stabbed me. And I never saw her again. She never uh, was at school anymore. And then I got one day of in-school suspension uh, for shoving her head, uh, which I think is fair. To be honest, I think it's fair, but I did instigate it, but she had already stabbed two people earlier that day. So how much instigating did, did she really need? And, uh, and if you're going to be stabbing people in middle school, what's high school going to look like for you? Let's be honest. So that was that. And then I had to do a day of in-school suspension and I missed my day of uh, football practice because of it. And, and that may be a shocker to a lot of people, but I did play football in the eighth grade. Uh, for all the wrong reasons, I thought I probably would look pretty good in a football uniform, and I wanted to get cheered for at the pep rally. I love pep rallies, and uh, I love being cheered for, which is why I like comedy. And uh, I just like being cheered for. It's a good time. And uh, so I played on the football team, and my position was wide receiver. That's what they told me it was. Uh, I don't know if it's true because I never actually did anything on the team, but I... Uh, did look pretty good in the uniform, and I did get cheered for at a pep rally. Uh, but I was a wide receiver that never went wide to receive anything. But I picked number three. A lot of people think I picked number three because of my undying love for Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator. But no, it's not that because the pep rallies went in numerical order. So number three was the lowest number on the thing. So that meant I would be the first person to get cheered for in the pep rally. So I picked it, and it was a great strategic move, and they called my name, and everyone cheered for me, and it was a big day for me. I felt good. I felt for sure like the ladies were going to swoon after that, and uh, and they may have, but to be honest, I had no idea what to do with, uh, with any kind of dating situation, so women could have showed up at my trailer and said, hey, we want to... Uh, make wild, passionate love to you. And I would have uh, been like, well, hey, let's play Mario for a while. Because uh, I was in middle school. And uh, so. And uh, and I like I like playing games. The point is, um, 
I wasn't good at football. I was pretty good at backyard football. I played a lot of backyard football, mainly because in my trailer park, there wasn't a lot of kids. And the kids that we had were all about my size, and I was pretty fast. And we had one guy, I'm going to say his name was Ken. Ken, uh, I'm going to call him Deckert. Kim, Ken Deckert. And that guy was a beast of a man. And if he were if he were around, he would hurt you. Uh, but when he wasn't around, I, I got to kind of be the leader. Now, there was another guy, Ken's cousin, named Jim Deckert. And... Uh, uh, Jim was pretty equal to me and, uh, we would fight a lot and, uh, he threw a rock and hit me in the head one time and I bled, I bled out and, uh, it was a rough day for me. He blamed it on someone else, but I know it was him. He hit me in the head with a rock and, uh, we fought a lot, but we were best friends. And, um, so, um, but yeah, so I thought that I'd be good at football because I was, you know, good at backyard football. But we had four dudes and a and a and a, a girl, and it's like, and not 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 to say that a girl can't be good at football because they can, but she was about four years younger than us and way smaller than everyone. So she she held her own. And there were some other girls around. We used to fight with those girls actually uh, because they they had a, there was a ton of them and they tore my clubhouse down. I built a clubhouse one time. And because I lived with my mom, my dad uh, just had joint custody of me. So I had built this clubhouse and it was great. And one day when my dad dropped me off, I wanted to go show him the clubhouse that I had built. And when I went back there, the clubhouse was completely torn down. Those women, these women uh, came down like an army and tore my clubhouse down. And so me and James were throwing rocks at them. And uh, James met, they were on bikes. We were on, it was like a war zone in there. They were on bikes. We were on uh, foot. It's like old middle medieval battles. Like they were on horses and we were foot soldiers. But we were throwing rocks at them on their bikes. And James threw a pretty big rock at one of them and it missed. And it hit me right in the head and I bled. It was not a, a weak hit. We did not play around, but... They used to have this dog, giant dog, had two different colored eyes named Barney. And Barney would always harass me. That's probably why I'm afraid of dogs now. But So I started shooting Barney with slingshot. And uh, I wouldn't hit him in the head. I just tried to hit him in the hip. Because I was never a cruel kid, but I wanted him to stay out of my yard. Um, but um, So, I mean, that's a little bit about me. That's some stuff I got going on. Um, again, I'll be in Dalton, Georgia this weekend. I'll be and Hannah will be at Helium in Buffalo, New York. I'll be at Dalton and then um, uh, Hartwell, Georgia. Hartwell, Georgia, uh, apparently a, a lady, a grandmother, 46-year-old grandmother, just choked a bobcat to death with her hands. The bobcat attacked her in her backyard, and she was worried that it was going to get inside and get her baby. So she choked that bobcat to death with her hands. That's some hardcore stuff right there. So follow me on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all at Dusty Slay. I think Facebook, Dusty Slay Comedy for my fan page. I'd love it if you'd give that a like. Uh, I have stuff on uh, uh, Pandora. Uh, Create a Dusty Slay Pandora station. I'd I'd like to build that. I'd like to get some listeners. Uh, So create a Dusty Slay station or... Just whatever comedy station you have, add my name to that, you know, and then give me whenever my stuff comes up, give me a thumbs up, you know, more, more thumbs up I get, the better. I got some stuff on YouTube. Uh, I got a new website. All my dates will be on there. Uh, I got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, Hannah Hogan, my website's DustySlay.com. Hannah Hogan is uh, Hannah Hogan Comedy. Uh, 
And, uh, yeah, and then Hannah will be in Canada for a while. And uh, so I'll miss her. And uh, I think that I'll probably do a couple of solo podcasts because of it. So give me some feedback on this. Let me know if you like this or not. Thank you very much, and we're having a good time.